Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour, that hour of the day, whenever it is, that the veil is thin and magic happens. I've got a really, really magical guest for us today, somebody a little different, a little twisty, perhaps. I have Diana Rochelle and her new book, Hex Twisting. What is hex twisting? Tune in and you will find out. It's pretty cool though. But before we get into Diana, um, let's say where's Patty? What we're doing this week. If you are listening to this on the week we first drop, which is the week of Monday, January 24th, 2022. I do like saying that, 2022. I am in town. I'm still here in Los Angeles. No travel quite yet, um, but I do have some fun things you can join in on. Um, instead of Tuesday, I had to move my Tuesday to Thursday. I'm filming something, but I can't tell you what, or I'd have to kill you. But on Thursday, I have a dragon magic class. Those of you who know me know I'm way into dragons and dragon magic because it's crossroads magic. It's powerful, beautiful magic. Dragons can fly between heaven and earth, so they can get a lot done. Um, that is Thursday. Just go universitymagicus.com. Also on Sunday, I'm doing my psychic protection class. So of those of you out there, whether you're paranormal investigators or just people who dabble in these magical arts, which I guess most of you are, check that out. Also on um, universitymagicus.com. As far as traveling, my next traveling, and it's going to be in a couple weeks, but I'm going back to New Orleans. Yes, indeed. This is going to be fun. In celebration of Bram Stoker's original Dracula movie, 92 years ago, we are doing a showing in New Orleans. We are going to be at the Vampire Ball, or at the Vampire Cafe, um, because we're going to talk about our Romania trip. There is still a few seats left if you want to join on a once-in-a-lifetime trip with myself, with Father Sebastian, because you need a really good vampire to go on a vampire trip. And we have just added a Catholic priest, because who doesn't need a Catholic priest when you're going? We, um, James and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, so I'll get it by the end. But check it out at Mysterious Tours, and we're going to be in New Orleans, and then right after New Orleans, we are going to the UK. So if you want to cross the pond with me, check out Festival of the Unexplained. Um, I'm going to be at a place called Bosworth Hall. That sounds fabulous. It'll be my first trip there. I've got a lot of firsts this year, so come along with me. So check it out. Hi, everybody. Oh, nothing like starting a day out with kisses. Yep, it is time for the Willow Report. And that was almost an on-cue kiss because we're talking about love, animals and love. I know lately I've talked about all the naughty things Miss Willow does, but I want, want to talk about how you need a mood enhancer. You need somebody to make you feel good and loved. The unconditional love of a dog that everybody talks about is true. Now, I know there's cat people out there, and cats are the same, only completely different. But the comfort that they give you is amazing. So those of you who just, like, think you're missing a little something in your life, go to a shelter, adopt a dog, a kitty, a hamster. I promise, especially if you're one going, oh, you have to walk them. Yeah, you do. You get to walk them. And then you get to meet neighbors, and you get to get outside and get exercise. You know, or, or even the cat, oh, cats are less bad. Yeah, they give you love. They purr. They tail up to you. Um, I can't tell you, like, if, say, um, somebody, my husband's in a bad mood. Say he's cranky about whatever my husband's get cranky about. Um, 
one look from this little puppy changes his whole mood completely, completely. I, I, I haven't thought about it to that extent, but we were walking the other day and we have an elderly neighbor around the corner. And I think they're, you know, they're alone. You know, you get to an age sometimes that all everybody you know has died off. And there's a lot of people like that, their spouses, their lovers, their family members, and they're there and they're taken care of, but they were, they sit on their porch all the time and they're, and they're just kind of high and they talk all for the first time. I I came in and sat with her for a minute and Willow got all over her, the light in her face, her eyes lit up, her face lit up. She started, her little hands started to pet this little Willow and you just saw the love and comfort that, and Willow was so excited by this woman, you know, because Willow's excited by everything. And the change in this woman was just like, wow, this is what love is. Real love and kisses, unconditional love. So if you do have a dog or, well, actually we have a neighbor who walks their cat every day. They have this little bubble. Um, it's so cute. It's like backpack, but it's a cat bubble. It looks like, like a helmet, space helmet. Every day the cat goes around, gets to talk to everybody. Not all cats will do that. But if you have a cat that will, or walk on a leash, take it out. But if you have a dog and you have maybe some neighbors that might need a little good love and attention, why don't you take them to go visit him? Um, you know, you will be surprised and see what the magic they have in them. I know a lot of people do, oh, we go to hospitals, which is a great thing. I even know people at LAX, there's always people bringing their dogs to soothe people before they get on an airplane. I've seen more and more of that again these days. Um, and it's great. Go to hospitals, become, but that you takes a special kind of a dog to become a service dog of some sort. But if you have people in your neighborhood, in your apartment building, right around the corner, let them experience a the love of your puppy. Maybe they don't have one. So this just had to be about love, not how naughty Willow was. Because she's perfect. And she's worth every chewed up shoe. Every chewed up paper. Every bark. Every oops, accident, missed the pee pee pad. Because she's love. Pure love. So Short and sweet again. It's a short and sweet day. That's the Willow Report. Go hug your fur baby or non-fur baby or whatever you have. One day I'm going to have you not pulled right out of sleep so you're not yawning this whole time. Okay? No. Anyway, love. Just love. That's the Willow Report. So without further ado, I think it's time for some magic. I had all sorts of things planned for today, going, oh, let's talk about this and let's talk about that. But I decided instead, let's talk about a very popular subject, haunted dolls. Yep, haunted dolls. You may see or can't miss, really, these little dolls sitting around in my, in my office, in my little workspace. You can, if we turned it around, you would see hundreds of Barbie dolls as well. Not one of them has ever had a, like, spirit and they all have the spirit of Barbie, the perfect goddess of all time. Those of you who don't like Barbie, you just don't understand Barbie. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my beautiful Barbies. I'm talking about my haunted dolls. Haunted dolls are really popular now. Um, many of you know Belle. She's one way back there right now. I usually have to pull her away because she takes focus. But she's my 105-year-old German doll. She was given to me by this beautiful girl in Belgium who had to give her to me because she's 
she made her sick for three years. She made her sick. She made her little girl sick. So take that into consideration when everybody wants a haunted doll. Don't get a bad haunted doll. But this girl had seen me on Ghost Adventures, actually the spinoff, Deadly Possessions, doing a seance with Peggy the doll, a much more haunted and much more negative doll who actually given two people heart attacks and made 80 documented people sick. So if she, I could hold hands with Peggy the doll and cut cords between, she figured I could do Belle. Um, so she sent me Belle, um, which was crazy in itself, the power of a haunted doll. I'd never done a Facebook Live. I did my very first Facebook Live. And now if I do a Facebook Live, if you watch it, oh, I might get a few hundred. Oh, maybe up to a thousand. My opening of Belle, 50,000 views. Well, 49,000. I'm exaggerating. 49,000 views. Wasn't me. Wasn't my audience. It was hers. It was crazy. Opened her up. Yep. Haunted doll. It was dark. But I did not want something that made me sick for three years or my family or my husband or my dog or my cat um, or make my hair fall out, which happened to her. Be careful on the haunted doll. So I banished, got rid of the bad spirit. And then this beautiful little girl spirit started to emerge. She's been seen lots of places on videos like this, on television, big television shows, little television shows. She moves. You'll catch her move. You'll catch her expression change all the time. But new in this family is this little girl sitting right next to me. Her name is Cheryl. She's not a haunted doll or she wasn't a haunted doll or I'm not sure anymore. Hmm. She was sent to me by my friend Cheryl, thus the name, um, who's a beautiful dog costume designer and some films my old dog had did. She thought Belle needed a doll. She thought she might be haunted. She got her as a great place to get these, you know, a secondhand store, a garage sale, a, a thrift store along the way. Um, and she thought Belle needed a doll. So I had, I've had her for several months now. It's like, no spirit, just doll. Belle has a dolly. I started sitting her here just because she looked kind of cool. The other day when I was actually Zooming on my psychic protection class, all of a sudden she moved. She literally, she slid like six inches in, just like that. Only I wasn't moving her. No one was in the house. No one moved her. I'm like, I didn't even notice because I'm talking just like this. I get kind of involved when I'm talking into my little camera. Um, nobody noticed. A couple people said they did notice in the class. There's like 30 people in this Zoom class. Some noticed, didn't say anything. They thought I or somebody moved it. Nope. Um, and then afterward, it was pointed out. So crazy. And then I'm like, is she haunted? Why can't I see? I see spirits. Somebody I know blew it up really big. And there was, they saw a shadow come out of that little witch picture, a shadow come out of my bookcase, pass by her and the shadow moved the doll. So I think it wasn't, it was a momentary possession of the doll, something that just moved it like a poltergeist activity or something. So it was pretty cool. I love that. So haunted dolls enough about my stories you guys are buying lots of haunted dolls now they're fun they're different all of you in the paranormal who doesn't want a little spirit ghost in a nice container just be careful when you're doing it number one that it's a good spirit and number two be careful of the person on ebay or one of those lists that go haunted doll, haunted doll, and, and all of a sudden they have 900 haunted dolls for sale or the same one, or they have this almost too perfect of a story. 
Sadly, there's a lot of scam artists out there saying it's a haunted doll and that they just picked it up at a thrift store themselves, you know, or a secondhand store or a garage sale. So use your intuition. Those of you who want a haunted doll probably have intuition. You know, check out if it's too good to be true. If it's too, they're just jacking up the prices of things. And sadly, not all of them are haunted. Check out, just like you do with we're going to a psychic or a medium, check out the seller on these haunted dolls. And since most of you are really intuitive, what if you go find your own? What if you do go to that secondhand store, thrift store, even pawn shops? You can get some nice porcelain ones. Feel them out. Walk around going, wow, this one might have a spirit or a nice spirit to it. So be really careful, again, that you're not scammed along the way. Um, you're spending money that you don't need to spend or that you get a bad one. That one's even worse. And the other thing I want to talk about haunted dolls, you guys... You're magicians, you're witches, or you're shaman, whatever that is. You have a cool doll, you can invite a spirit into it. What do you think we do with dragons, with all those things? We create spirits all the time. If you have a spirit, just like we put protection into our kid's teddy bear, we make their Superman superhero something really special for them. What if you have a very special favorite doll and you want to say, I like we put our familiar in, in little skulls sometimes in bowls so we don't have to bother our cat um, into little skulls. But so what if you have a favorite little doll of some quarter, maybe a porcelain doll or a gift doll, invite a spirit good and light, you know, so you work with it. If you work with spirit guides, you might want to work with spirit guides. You've worked with deities um, where you might want to invite your deities. So you really can create your own haunted doll. Remember that. So, and whatever it is, remember you keep in charge no matter what. You don't let them take over your house. Belle likes to run around. We hear her footsteps. She moves, she moves things. Be careful with your animals. They might like them. They may not like them. Same thing with your kids. Get to know your haunted doll or created or not. Just like people you let into house, same thing with spirits. So magic today, haunted dolls. Get one, make one, create one. Keep them in control, though, no matter what you do. You're in charge. This is our realm of existence. So that's the magic. Thanks for coming to the witching hour and our magic moment. Magic's everywhere. You just have to look sometimes. And today I've got a wonderful guest. I'm meeting her for my for the very first time. Let me tell you a little bit about Diana Rochelle. She is a city priestess and witch whose background includes Wicca, folk witchcraft, and conjure. Diana splits her time between San Francisco, California, where she co-owns Golden Apple Metaphysical, and Southwestern Michigan, where she runs Earth and Sun Spiritual Coaching with her partner. She also teaches at the Witches Ground Annex in San Francisco and reads tarot at Elements Kalamazoo in Michigan. Diana has 25 years experience as a tarot reader and Western herbalist and has 29 years experience as a professional writer. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi. So you have a book. You have, I know you have a few books, but let's talk about the one I have in my hand. You have a book called Hex Twisting. Hex Twisting. So I don't even know the term. What is Hex Twisting? So hex twisting is a, a different approach to reversing negative energy so that you can either, a lot of people will, because let's be honest, sometimes witches like to throw things at each other. This is the monkeys with the poo. We all have that instinct as part of being a primate. And 
rather than just play tennis with the poo, sometimes you want to do something else with that. Um, you know, if I'm going to go with this awful metaphor that I've started off with, you know, you can just kind of collect it and use it to stoke a fire. You can use it to fertilize a garden, etc. So this is different match. So a lot of this is starts with a lot of people will go into the they will get to a certain point in their practice where it isn't just the day to day gunk that you have to wipe off your shoes. There is something going on and the information about what to do with it when it's a little bit more than the usual isn't really out there. There's a lot of people out there who are very surprised when white sage doesn't work for everything. And <laughs> You know, and, and if they're fortunate, they may figure out that Florida water is a good next step, but then they'll get to the point where even Florida water is an issue. And rather than leaving some of these people scrambling or posting on Facebook groups to get some very dubious replies and approaches, I decided after many years of going through a lot of this stuff myself to just put together what I figured out works for certain situations and give people a guideline to work with so that they can at least make an effort to work the situation out for themselves, figure out what to do with that energy coming at them, and maybe do something different with it that can be used to fortify defenses or be redirected to other parts of your life or, you know, help you make friends with new spirits if you really want to go that route. Um, you're on mute. So is that what you call counter magic? So that's, that's your first thing. What is counter magic? That's yeah, so that is exactly what counter magic is. Yes. Okay. I like that. So it is true. I must say, because we're all, you know, do this and don't do that. And sage, I'm not a big sage user, I must say. I'm so over sage. But that's another story for another day. Um, so I know one of your things, it is, I guess it is necessary in this day and age. You're right. We do get the witch wars going and things like that, no matter how enlightened we may be. Um, so one of your next chapters into there though, is, am I cursed? Cause everybody, you know, we both work tarot. We both, everybody mm -hmm. thinks they have a curse. Everybody thinks they has a curse. Yeah. How do people tell, I tell if they do have a curse? So I go through a series of diagnostics. And so my partner and I both work with people that are and aren't. And we, and part of our practice is we do help people with curse breaking, but we go through a very rigorous process where we try to do everything we can to rule out that possibility. So it's very similar, like if you're doing a, a check, if somebody thinks they have a ghost or a haunting or some random spirit, you know, you still need to check the furnace, see if you have, you know, check for carbon monoxide poisoning. It's a very similar thing where it's, okay, let's walk through all of this stuff. And more often than not, people that think they're cursed really have trauma. And they may have trauma and a curse, and that is something that I'll be addressing at WitchCon next month. But um, if they have trauma, then what my partner and I do is we do our best to find a licensed mental health practitioner to match them up with and move them in that direction. And then even if so, it turns out that somebody does have a curse or something deliberately negative woven in, then it's the, we'll do what we can undo that. But at the end of that process, we're still probably going to refer that person to a mental health practitioner. Okay, um, you're on mute again. 
I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not going to try to stay on mute. I'm the bad one today. Um, so yeah, and that is good because so much of it is mental, emotional, and and that's not what we are. Um, some, I, what are some of the things that you go to? So if people are going, okay, I don't know that I'm ready for medical, I'm or, or for a practitioner yet. Um, yeah. So what are some of the signs going? Okay, somebody, I'm cursed. What do I before I get to the doctor? Before I get to this? Yeah. So it depends on the situation because you have because part of really undoing a curse is figuring out what happened and where. Now there there are a few human pig pens out there. I have been one at different occasions where there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on. But what will happen is like one of the more recent ones I had was okay for the last six years of my life has sucked. What happened? And my first question is, well, what was going on in your life seven years ago? And, well, you know, and it was interesting in that case because it was reading as it was a curse, but it wasn't a curse at the same time in the reading I was getting. And this is an interesting loophole, especially because a lot of people will dismiss other faith practices besides their own and assume, well, it's not what I practice, so it doesn't have power over me, except that energy is energy. And so what I've been finding is that there's some people that believe themselves to be very good Christians that will be praying at some very pagan witches. And because they believe what they're doing is good, it gets through the anti-curse warding of the very, uh, of the practiced witch because it's not a curse. They're trying to bless them by bringing them to Jesus. Yeah. And all of this horrible energy will happen because they're trying to do this. And so figuring out how to address that and go, okay. So I had one client where it was basically a prayer chain on him Wow. that we had to find a way to undo and a way to help him with protections to ward out non-consensual prayer. Wow. I've never even thought about that before being attacked by a prayer chain by the Christians. Well, and they, but, wouldn't, and they weren't thinking of it as an attack, which is why it wasn't pinging the normal way in a reading. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And yes, these people are coming. They need to save you and all this, but... Mm -hmm. Well, so, so what would you do in this case? So you get to the, uh, and without giving all your trade secrets and things, yeah. but so, so somebody's got, okay, my life is sucks because this happened and oh, this is the block of me moving my energy forward. Is there things you guys do? Um, you and your partner, you have them do, do you go into so spell I, working, crafting life changes? Yeah. So as much as possible, I try to have the people that come to me work within their own faith tradition and background. Mm -hmm. So in his case, he came from a Christian family. And so what I suggested he do is go to, to St. Michael. And, you know, for me, I tend to be very theistically fluid because I, I work with a lot of spirits. You meet a lot of spirits and suddenly like the entire, it breaks the vase that is religion. <laughs> so it just like, whatever, that, that liquid's all over the floor now. It's going to go everywhere. And I'm kind of up there in the scattered flowers most days. But what made sense to me was, okay, Michael is kind of supposed to be the guy that mediates the prayers, especially in Catholicism. Maybe not. It wouldn't work the same for a Protestant because Protestants don't really work with saints usually. But for this one, that was a Catholic background, so they have personnel. Yes. <laughs> um, and so in this case, St. Michael going, hey, here's what's happening. And you know, a simple novena practice for a few days was enough to put a stop to it. Because it's like the, oh, okay, we need to null and void this prayer chain 
So they could be praying their hearts out, but it's all going to go somewhere else now. Right. That's beautiful. And I do that too. I study everything because it's it's like different template. The words you're working, if you 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 can't give a bunch of pagan words to a Catholic or to like Christian, as you're saying. So mm-hmm. I I love that you did that. So um so that was great. That's very give do Venus, do your prayers and go on. But some about getting in somebody or like giving it back and almost hexing and warding and spells. Mm-hmm. Um that stuff you certainly do have in this book. I do. And um, now the first thing I go, and I want to go into some of them, but as you know, all the, the Wicca, Wiki, what about the harm none? What you put out comes back to you three times. Yeah. Well, the law of three, first of all, is not physics. There's no way to measure or quantify that. So this was a metaphor. And so for me, the way I look at magic is a lot of magic that I practice is very rooted in the laws of thermodynamics which I think is where the law of three kind of sort of came from when someone came up with it. But it has, at least since the 90s, kind of mutated into this concept of a giant space nanny that is <laughs> really judgy <laughs> and must be very busy all the time because that's that, that's a lot. And realistically, with Harm None, the original read, and I'm not, I don't identify as Wiccan, and I haven't for several years. I don't know. But for the Harm None part was not necessarily not doing harm at all is impossible life feeds on life you know we do know even plants can feel pain but we still need them to survive and what it comes down to is that was intended to make you stop and think through all the possible consequences of your working so sometimes when i've thought through especially if it's somebody who you know just has something to prove for whatever reason or I have a very direct way of speaking that really messes with some people's ideas of status (laughs) and, you know, stuff like this where, okay, if it comes back at them, is this going to be enough to put a stop to the nonsense? And, you know, how far, what is a reasonable and proportionate response as opposed to a harm none, especially if they're initiating and like in that situation with the client I mentioned, they think they're doing a good thing. They think they're teaching a lesson. Because, you know, really, you know, really, there's been some psychological studies and the people that do like the worst or most objectively evil things tend to have very high self-esteem and be very confident in what they're doing. They really think they're doing the right thing, which means that they will think they're not doing harm when they're doing massive harm. Right. So you kind of have to weave through that thinking through while called doing your best to keep yourself humble so you can recognize, okay, you know, is this a proportionate response? Am I just mad? Or am I the kind of mad where you're drunk and you think you're right about everything because you're drunk on your own anger? Or is there something where I'm going to have to stop and, you know, this person is basically smacking me, so I'm going to have to smack them a little bit harder so they sit down and knock it off? That's good. It's sort of like, not like disciplining your children, but sort of like disciplining your children. If you just were everything all right all the time. Yeah, they get really yeah. spoiled. I guess I don't know. I'm but. raising two boys right now. They're not spoiled, but they are very challenging. And ah. I would say that adults are much worse behaved. <laughs> so. Yeah, silly humans. I know. One thing I like about your book too is I just got it and going through it. You have a lot of cleansing and clearing yeah. techniques on thing, which is again so needed in this crazy world that we're living in. 
Um, so what's some of your favorite things for my people who maybe don't have your book yet, but they're going to get it, give them a tease as to what some regular practices maybe that people, um, because we are living in, in, an interesting time right now with the pandemic mm-hmm. and with everything going on and fear-based, which. Yeah. Yeah. And cleansing and decluttering can do a lot to reduce the stress and reduce the existential dread. At least it makes you wear yourself out. So the dread gets tired too. But one of the things that I like to do, and it, it's becoming so popular just to use natural products for cleaning anyway, but for example, coconut oil, I can't ingest it. I'm horribly allergic, but it is a really good energetic cleanser. Hmm. So you can use coconut oil with salt to like clean off clean, like clean off like clean off your sink or clean off like your medicine cabinet, which places where energy will gather, especially in your bathroom. And it actually works really well. I mean, you're gonna have to follow it off with something that like degreases and cleans out the rest, but and usually lemon is a good follow-up for that. And they're all good cleansing material. But this way you can scrub the place out. And especially like in places like the bathroom and the kitchen. And these are our, our self-esteem shadow spots, especially in the U.S. culture. Um, because, of course, in the bathroom, we have to think about our bodies. And it's this almost like the secret chamber where we're facing all of the things we consider flaws or make us uncomfortable or just, oh crap, I'm mortal and things sag and gravity works. <laughs> um, and that energy can really build up in there. Like it, it turns into a self-esteem spiral and it's a place you have to be in multiple times a day. Yep. Um, or in the kitchen where everybody's got a weird bugaboo or a weird moralization around food. And so those are the places where our own energy and our own stresses tend to build up the most. So bringing, you know, and the kitchen is where we keep all the good stuff that we can use for cleansing too. You know, I, I don't know a single witch who doesn't have a little kitchen witch in them because you almost have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, especially for people that are struggling with chronic illnesses and so on, you know, the scrubbing, the cleaning, that's fine for those that are physically able to do it. My suggestion, and this is a method that I've been using when my energy levels are low and, you know, I've been shuttling between San Francisco and Kalamazoo and my life has been crazy in a lot of different ways. But one of the things I like to do that saves me a little time, get a jar, put an an egg in it. I mean, some people like the black hen eggs. It doesn't matter. Any egg will do. Not boiled. Um, I know some of you did that. (laughs) Fill it with water. If you want to add salt or Florida water or cleansers to it, screw that shut. Say whatever words you want to let it know to just absorb negativity from your house and then put a tea light on top of it and let that burn so it kind of draws that in. And if you really want to be extra about it, add a magnet or something. So it just kind of sucks in all of the negative energy and then light another candle or have some kind of pot going on your stove to refill the house with the energy you want. So that's like the low maintenance, low energy house cleansing method that I have for, you know, the days where I'm just kind of like, I can't take another box or. (laughs) That's beautiful. I've never done that egg in a, in a bottle. I kind of go witch's bottle, but not all the stuff you put into a witch's bottle and egg. And I use egg a lot for, cleansing and protection that's beautiful thank you so what about some of the personal keep things clean do you tell people to watch their bodies and their selves and what they are collecting on whether it's sent from other people or the world 
I do, especially, and I talk about it a little bit in the book in the cleansing section, but something that I'm working on very closely with my life partner are, is training for empaths because we are like a licked lollipop rolling down Market Street after Gay Pride in San Francisco. <laughs> we just pick up everything. And so we have to do more cleansing than average. And I'm working on a theory of energy bodies is that there is, with magical people, there's an added level of neurodivergence in that some of us, our energy bodies can be in different orders from one another. So an empath has their emotional body all the way in the outside. It's supposed to be the closest to your physical body because you're supposed to feel your emotions with your body. That's part of human yeah. experience. But some people are born that way. Some people, because of trauma, will push their emotional body all the way out as a way of trying to get, get ahead of expectations or to be able to predict what other people are going to do. And then pulling it back in is almost impossible. And so that means that you have to learn different ways to manage that energy and cleanse. And even traditional shielding where you picture the bubble around yourself, mm -hmm. well, that goes around the auric body. And it still does for an empath around the auric body. But that means that empath body, that emotional body is still exposed. So you have to do a second shield for that. And before you shield, you need to clean that stuff off. Because yes. otherwise, you're just shielding the gunk. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And do you find because of this pandemic, that's needed more and more since everything's just been the yeah. dial turned up kind of. Yeah. Well, and especially because a lot of those that identify as empaths in particular, and it's not just empaths, this can be for other people that don't necessarily have a neuro, any neurodivergence at all, but more so I've noticed for empaths is we're up in close quarters. We already developed this body exchange movement because of usually because of some kind of stress and that makes us a little more prone to codependent behaviors. And then we're on lockdown or in close quarters with people where, of course, a lot of people will get the, if I fix the other person, I can fix my pain. And so the codependence ratchets up and then it's just even, even more stressful mess. Wow. Yeah, it's very circular. <laughs> um, so what about getting into some of that, um, the, 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 the witch worry stuff, the like, you're being done wrong by somebody. What if, mm -hmm. okay, say it's like maybe it's some, where you're working, somebody who's, they're at their work and their boss and somebody else, they know hates them or whatever their their thought mm -hmm. is. They're, they're not being treated correctly. Is that something you would deal with in this book? That is something is I do recommend trying to go sweeten things before you sour things. Is I like that. Yeah, try, you know, a sweetening work or some kind of harmony working. Sweet jars are fantastic. If you need something to work fast, use sugar, not honey. Really? It metabolizes faster. A lot of this stuff still works on the same principles as physics and metabolism. So sugar, you know, cane sugar and beet sugar metabolizes a hell of a lot faster than honey. Um, oddly, I've never seen maple syrup to work in anything specific, but I've never need, needed sweeten a Canadian. So that just might be the thing you have to do there. Right. Oh, that's funny. That is good. So, okay. So, so yeah, look there. I like the sweeten before you then attack. Um, and, you know, sorry, with protecting for yourself as going into it. Um, what are some other things, again, since I haven't got to read your book back that you think that people would like... This is something you could add to your life as a regular thing or to be an awareness to be aware of. 
Uh, one thing to be aware of, because freezer spells, and there's two approaches to them. One is just to freeze a situation. The other is to freeze and really mess up a person. Be very careful with freezer spells, because sooner or later you need to undo those, because otherwise the situation stays stuck, and then you end up frozen with the person. Ah, interesting. So, so unless you want to live with that crappy coworker forever, it, you, you may have to do a little rising above, but if an opportunity for them to get promoted out of your life comes up, that's a good time to get your freezer spell out of the fridge. Ah, at a good time, right. That. Yeah. That is beautiful. So, okay. Um, now, you go into sections like, cosme well, cosmetics and makeup and jewelry. So, mm -hmm. things that people don't think about would wait with hexes and twisting and, and negative energy. So, I just love this. So, what's some of the techniques or ideas, like charging protection jewelry? That's a, a, a good thing That's to do. Basic. Um, I know one of the ones that I run into, and some people disagree with me about this, there's a lot of people, and again, because I come from the perspective as an empath, but tourmaline, I feel, has limited use as worn jewelry for empaths because empaths we absorb and tourmaline absorbs. So eventually you get a wet paper towel and a wet paper towel effect. So what I recommend instead for empaths, for people that are more neurotypical, Tourmaline's fine. Just make sure you take it off and let it drain out every so often. A lot of people don't realize if you're going to use crystals, they each different crystal requires different kinds of care. So like selenite always needs its moonlight and amethyst is not good to put in the sun and will do okay with moonlight, but sometimes like soil, it depends where the amethyst is from. But with tourmaline, you know, draining the soil, but what works a lot better for empaths is obsidian. Ah. Um, and this is because, it, and it's a really strange thing because empaths also tend to be human mirrors and a black mirror somehow mutes, mutes or mutates that effect. So suddenly people can't find themselves in you because you look in obsidian and you're forced to look within and then you end up having to see yourself. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. I've learned something every day and this, I've learned a lot. Thank you. Now, what about, what is not people coming at you or the bad boss or the this and that? What about when you're getting spirit attacked? So, and this can be broken down into some interesting situations. And having lived in San Francisco and done city priestess work there, it's a jambalaya of all kinds of spirits that may or may not get along well. And it helps if you know the different types of spirits you're working with. It's not all just, a lot of people think spirits just mean ghosts. No, I prefer to I prefer to extend it to a shorthand for non-human person because there's just a lot more out there. Yeah. And they all have different cultures and laws and rules they abide by. And a lot of it comes down to communication. So I know that there's the ceremonial magic approach, especially with certain spirits where you're supposed to trap them or command or whatever. I prefer to start with the law of hospitality where it's the, okay, you're in my house somehow. I'm going to put out some food and some water. We're going to sit down and have a talk, and I'm going to invoke the laws of hospitality, which is a fairly ancient law. Like there, There's versions of this going back to ancient Greece, where it is the, I have declared you a guest, which means you're, you are obligated not to harm me, and I am obligated not to harm you. 
And then from there, you know, I'm, so, I, I'm at a level of psychic where I can have the discussion. Some people may need to use pendulums or find a friend who's particularly clairaudient or, you know, just ask the spirit to make themselves known in some ways. But just go, but sit down and have the talk and have a rules and regs talk and figure out what's going on. Now, after that, if there's shenanigans, then there may be a banishing procedure or an exorcism procedure. I do tell a lot of people if they're going to do this themselves, they need to be at a point where they understand that there is no such thing as a way. So if you banish a ghost, it's still going to go somewhere. You exercise a ghost. And I've had issues, especially I used to live in Minneapolis for 12 years, and especially with all the stuff going on there, it's metaphysically a little bit crazy now, too. And I've had things where people have done very effective banishings and exorcisms in their homes. And then the next door neighbor calls me because they've got a haunting because guess mm. where it went. Wow. So you have to work out where things are going to go before you send them off. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Like even room to room and there's a portal here. So um, and I totally get that because I, li I live very much in the paranormal world, the ghost hunting world, ghost hunting TV world. So here's a question for you. Since you work on a lot on these darker side or looking at these darker side of things, do you think demons get way too much credit that a lot of what these people say are demons aren't demons? The majority of, the majority of people thinking they have demon hauntings have fairy hauntings. Yeah, I think so too. Fairies and, and all sorts of things, but elemental is yeah. a but not Fairies, demons. elementals, animistic spirits are tricky because you can't banish an animistic spirit at all. You're not going to win. That animistic spirit is older than you. It's been here longer and you are made of it. It is not made of you. Now explain to my people what an animistic spirit is. An animistic spirit is when we talk about land spirits, water spirits, um, anything that has either been here since the beginning of time or has become so much part of the earth and the environment on the landscape that it has developed its own awareness. So I'm a city priestess, I work with city spirits. City spirits have become animistic after a certain point, but did not begin that way. They began as human consciousness that amalgamated. But the land has always been here and the land has always had an awareness. And I'm an animist, so I believe that everything, every molecule has an innate awareness and intelligence of its own. I agree. So, yeah. And so, like, this is part of interacting with trees and rocks. And, um, you know, I, I have this running theory that there's dominionist witches versus animistic witches. Dominionist witches are the ones where my will is what gets these materials to work. I'm an animist, so it is this cooperation with the materials is what makes my stuff work. Um, and both approaches have their place. Right. So... Animism, animism is more natural to me, partly because I'm Slavic. That's part of my cultural background. My partner is a Finnish-American shaman who also um, has native, recent Native ancestry in their line. So that's just sort of how we do in our house. So, like, we even talk to the house and the spirit of the house that we just moved into is just part of this. Uh, and so a lot of people, like, you know, fairies, you can get them to leave. It's usually a territory issue. Demons, I think, get a bad rap because history is always told by the victors. And I have I have nothing but unverified personal gnosis, but I suspect that most demons, at least the Goetic demons, were deposed gods from Babylon, Sumer, this type of thing. And of course they kind of 
you know, got talked down in a pretty big way, but they still held enough power to be scary to some of the people that may or may not have objected to what was going on with whatever the politics were in that time. Yeah. I think I get that. I like that. So, um, yeah, fascinating. You guys are going to have to check out this book, Hex Twisting, Counter Magic Spells for the Irritated Witch. I love that. But you have another book too, right? I have about five of them, but yeah. The five. Well, what's about the urban? I know you have a book, Urban Magic. Yeah, Urban Magic. I'm an I, urban girl too. Know. I'm in the middle of Hollywood, so. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll have some fun trying some stuff then. So Urban Magic, A Guide for the City, which is one that came out March 8th of 2020. So that, wow. so I ended up doing a summer relaunch tour for that one last summer. Um, and I got to take it to San Francisco, which is where San Francisco and Minneapolis is where I developed most of the stuff. But I also got to go to New York and do city work and New Orleans and do city work. And that was just fantastic. And that is about, one, understanding working with an animistic spirit of a city and also recognizing neighborhood spirits and the fae and ghosts and all of the neighbors. But it's also about understanding how urban design is an occult art Ooh. that can be applied and used in your own magic. Ooh, I need that one. Yeah, so it's really a kind of subvert guide for rewriting power structures without having to destroy society. Just wow. change it a lot. Wow, that is fascinating because every place does has its own feel. All of us who are in any sense aware of stuff, I love the energy of of Hollywood, of the Hollywood Hills. Some people can't stand it. Some people, it, it everything has its own being. So, yeah. um, oh, that sounds fabulous. So, what a little bit about that, that book? That so. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, I'm. Going, yeah, it's a different enough concept. I know there's other people that have written about city magic. And the reason that I wrote it is I love cities. I'm a city person. And I know it's interesting because my partner would like to just be up on a mountain somewhere. And I have a rule that I will not live where I cannot have pizza delivered. <laughs> I don't care if I don't eat pizza. I just, it needs to be available. And one of the things that I love about it is this is the place where the queer people go, where the creative people go, where the witches go. We like to think of ourselves as all natural, but when we need to gather, we do it best in cities. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of the people that were writing about urban magic in previous incarnations were very much part of the 1960s American pagan fantasy, which goes back to an early industrial revolution fantasy where nature is this pristine mountain far away. And I'm just looking at, and you know, poor you, you live in a city, here's how you adapt. And I'm like, there's nature in a city. I, you know, I've seen rabbits hopping on the sidewalks following the walk lights in Minneapolis and San Francisco. Yeah. You know, I'll see a coyote in San Francisco going for a slushy at the 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll see these I have them in my backyard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, but it goes back to this industrial revolution ideal where of course the wealthy were able to get to the pristine wilderness. And, uh, and before that nature was just nature wherever you were. So those, am I allowed to swear? Sure. <laughs> those fuckers Madonna hoard nature. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, especially cause I've lived in cities where San Francisco, depending on what part you don't realize how much nature is so very present there. 
you know, it's surrounded on three sides by water. They're all, you know, they're distinctive bodies of water. There's just a lot of nature there. Minneapolis is one of the hidden gems of the Midwest in that it has this huge arts community, but it also like has this, because it's right along the Mississippi River, it has almost all well-spaced out green space in almost every neighborhood. So you live in Minneapolis, you end up having to work with the Fae. Yeah. You can't avoid them. They are literally your neighbors. And San Francisco, if you don't have a relationship with the ocean, you don't have a relationship with San Francisco. That's fascinating. Um, all right, looking at clock, this is crazy. Um, so I, I have so many more questions, but... Before we go, is there anything you like? Is do you have anything coming up, or like, certainly give people anything you're doing on? Let people know where they can find you, where they can get your books, all five yes. books. Yes, <sighs> you can get my books pretty much anywhere books are sold. I encourage you to support your local witchy shops first and foremost. Yes. But I am available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, other places if people don't have that kind of access. Uh, the next big things I'm doing is I will be teaching at WitchCon, which is an online con in February. I am one of the featured presenters at Convocation in Detroit the next week. And I will be at Paganicon in Minneapolis in March. And right now my big project is unearthing my, my stuff because I did finally move my stuff from San Francisco to Kalamazoo. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like, like as far as any writing projects going right now, it's going to be mostly just brief online stuff. You can find me at dianarachel.com or on my Medium blog. I also have an Instagram photo journal, so those and are. What's your What's your Instagram name and uh, your social is media? D, is D Rachel. D Rachel and Rachel R A J C H E L. That is correct. R A J C H E L. I also have a TikTok series called Super Basic Witchcraft, where I am covering the skill holes that I'm seeing a little bit in some of the beginning witchcraft. So. Mm -hmm. And I'm including things for meditation techniques and other methods for neurodivergent people as well. So this way, if you're someone with ADHD who has a hard time sitting and meditating, there are other techniques that I have in there. If you are someone who is struggling with a lot of mental health stuff, I talk about parts of witchcraft you can use to for self-care or coded language you can use with your therapist if they object to magical thinking in any way. Ah, so these are beautiful. some of the things I'm doing. Very needed things. That is beautiful. Um, well, thank you so much. I wish you well. And, and I will see you. At, I'm speaking at WitchCon too. So awesome. I'll see you there. Zoom in. She'll see us there. Um, so an honor to meet you. I'm loving this book. You guys check it out. I've got to, I've got to get the Urban Witch. And then um, Diana Rachel, you guys check her out. And your website was dianarachel.com. dianarachel.com. Just remember okay. the J and you'll be fine. Okay, remember the J. All right, thank you so much for coming to and bringing your magic to the witching hour. Thank you.